The Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights has indicated that it's planning to resume its HIPAA compliance audit program. Both covered entities and business associates are expected to be audited in this next round. So what should these organizations be doing to prepare at this point? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking to security expert Tom Walsh, President of Tom Walsh Consulting. Tom will be discussing steps that covered entities and business associates should be taking to prepare for a possible OCR HIPAA audit. Hi, Tom. Well, hi, Marianne. Thanks so much for talking to me today. So now OCR is expected to resume its HIPAA compliance audits soon. Should covered entities and business associates have any clue at this point if they're on OCR's list of organizations that will be audited? So there's some things that would tip you off as far as an audit. If you had a breach, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get audited. If you accepted the incentive money for meaningful use, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get audited for meaningful use. Now, for the random ones, eh, that's kind of up there. We don't know for sure, but one thing is certain, and that is before they begin a random audit, they'll contact someone in your CEO's office, and they want to validate the name of the CEO, the phone number, the email, the mailing address. If you get a call like that, it's coming pretty darn quick because they send the notification through certified mail. So that would be the case regardless of what sort of, what sort of audit, whether it's the meaningful use or the HIPAA or any other sort of inquiry? So the random one is the one where they'll contact the CEO's office. For the meaningful use, someone in the organization is the primary point of contact. So they would be the one who would be notified. So in that case, it could be someone in the IT department. It could be someone who's a project manager so that they would get notification if the meaningful use audit was going to take place. And if a meaningful use audit takes place, does that take part with another agency other than OCR within HHS? So they've contracted that service out to another vendor, and um, that vendor is uh, Fizioli and Company. I'm, I can't pronounce Italian words very well, so go, bear with me. And they are the ones who've been contracted to do the meaningful use audits for the OCR. Now, there was some confusion initially because... Uh, some folks weren't certain that that was a legitimate audit request. So they have changed it now so that their email addresses re- actually reflect a government agency so you know it's legit. Oh, I see. And so now, what are the key steps that covered entities and business associates should be taking in case they're audited for HIPAA compliance? And is it too late at this point to take these steps if they've already received notification that they might be audited? So once you get your audit letter, from that date on, any documentation you create doesn't count. So you do need to take some steps prior to being audited, and the sooner the better. Now keep in mind, the security rule was released back in February of 2003, so that's over 11 years we've had to prepare for this, and we were expected to be compliant by April 2005. So there's really no excuse for not having at least a good solid program in place by now. The thing you have to look at is look at your documentation because a lot of this is going to be evidence driven. A good auditor is going to look for documentation of some sort, a policy, a procedure, a plan, and they're going to look for three things when they get that document from you. They're going to look at the last time that was reviewed, the last time it was updated, and the last time it was approved. So if you submit a document and the word draft is on it, it doesn't count. 
it has to be approved. So one of the things organizations can do right now to get prepared for this is start looking at their current documentation. They can go to the OCR's website. They can download what's called the HIPAA Audit Program Protocol. And that protocol consists of 169 requirements, and it breaks it down into three areas, privacy with 81 requirements, security with 78 requirements, and breach with 10 requirements. So it's essentially the questions to the exam. So there's no reason we can't pass this audit if we don't already know ahead of time what they're going to be looking for as far as evidence or proof of compliance. So I would encourage, whether you're a business associate or a covered entity, download that protocol, get started making sure that you can align evidence with every one of those requirements. Now, is there any difference between covered entities and business associates? So, In other words, both organizations should be doing the same thing, or do you have any special tips for one versus the other? So business associates, a lot of the requirements under the privacy rule would not apply to them directly. They are responsible for all the security rule requirements. The breach is a little bit different. We had heard at one point that the OCR was going to release a separate protocol that they would use when they would audit business associates, kind of a a lighter version. We haven't seen that yet. So what I've been advising all my business associates is use the one that's out there for covered entities. If you could pass the, the one for covered entities, you'll have no problem then should they come out with a lighter version for business associates. Now, does OCR give much notice if you're going to be audited? Uh, No, ma'am. There's not a lot of notice there. So the message is be ready. Be ready at all times. Now, you went over some of the documentation that CEs and BAs should have ready to show. What's most important? What sort of documentation specifically? So they're going to look for policies. But keep in mind on these policies... The policy needs to reflect accurately with what you're doing in your environment. So I tell clients, say what you do, do what you say. A smaller, shorter policy that actually reflects your practices is better than downloading something off the Internet that looks impressive and it states a lot of requirements that you're not doing. So um, the main thing is in these things is making sure that it is accurate. Because when they come out to to do an audit, they they actually do like a three-step process. I call it the three Ps. It's called perception, policy, and practice. So the perception part is they'll interview various levels of management, asking them questions about a policy regarding things like passwords. And then they'll go get your policy to see if what the executive or manager said matches up with the current policy. And then they'll get with a system administrator and have them log on to a system and then say, show me you know, the requirements. In order to, for you to pass one of those criteria, all three of those P's have to match up. So your perception, your policy, and your practice all have to be in alignment. They have to work together. So now, would the same hold true if OCR comes in after a breach and does an investigation? Is there sort of a similar process that they use? So for a breach, uh, Marianne, they're going to be a little more focused on the event and all the criteria around it. So it's not going to be as broad-based. However, I will qualify this. 
if they get in there and they find that you, the organization is um, willfully negligent in getting anything done towards HIPAA, it will begin to broaden their investigation. So for the most part, when there has been a breach, their audits have been very specifically oriented towards that incident. But they will look for policies, procedures, training records, anything that will help support the evidence of that particular incident or event that you did everything you were supposed to do and did it right. Now, when it comes to meaningful use audits, what do they generally look for there, when, especially when it comes to privacy and security? Or what do they look for in that realm altogether? Or is it mostly everything that you've attested to, regardless of whether it's privacy or security? So they look at all the core measures, and then there's some that you can choose from the meaningful use. I don't get involved with a lot of those. The one core objective that pertains to security is to make sure you've conducted a risk analysis. And it's not so much that you did a risk analysis, but afterwards you have to get a report, get it signed off, and then create some type of a remediation plan to address the deficiencies. And um, the, the letters that have gone out to entities that have been audited for meaningful use, they actually specify on there that what they're looking for is a document that shows the, kind of the report of the summary of the findings and an action plan to address those. And they said including names and dates. So it's a, a plan means you've got to really assign somebody the responsibility and really take some action. There's no expectation of perfection. There is an expectation of progress. You have to show that you're you know, making progress to address these threats. So now OCR had said that in some cases they'll be doing sort of remote audits for some of these organizations and that on a case-by-case basis that's when they might actually come in and do a more on-site sort of review. What's your advice for that? So for the remote audits, again, it's easy enough for them to just ask for documentation and review it. And they can look that documentation over pretty quick, and they can make a determination whether your program is solid or is it a veneer. And one of the things they'll look for is they'll look in the policy statements. If they see something that goes, yeah, that just doesn't sound right, they may figure out pretty quick that you've copied policies from somebody else, download them off the Internet, and then that may trigger more in-depth. You know, if they ask you for some basic policies and they give you a deadline to get them to them and you take every single day of the deadline to get it done, then it pretty much means that you're not organized or you're not really you know, using those policies. So one of the suggestions that's out there that, you know, we, we want to create a, what we call book of evidence. You want to have all this stuff lined up in advance. You want to make a good impression. When you get audited, if you could send that stuff almost, you know, the next day, boom, it looks like you have got your act together. And I think that goes a long way, Marianne, as far as this audit stuff. Because there's plenty of organizations out there that are still struggling with this, and those are the ones I think they're going to look at. Now, looking ahead, what are the major changes you, you think we'll see in this next round of audits compared to the pilot round? Do you think that there will be more audits conducted, less intense audits? You know, what sort of differences should we be watching for? So the first round of audits, I'd say good news, bad news. Good news, they really didn't understand or know completely what they were going to find and what they were looking for. So in the, in the first round, those were all what we call friendly audits. So there was no penalties or fines. 
the next round of audits, they now are wise. They know what to look for. They know what the prevailing practices are in healthcare, having done the first round of audits. And this time, there's actually going to be some penalties associated for noncompliance. So it's up the, the level here a little bit. So they should be prepared for these penalties if they do kind of fall out of compliance and they get caught. Yes, ma'am, that's correct. And if you, on the meaningful use, if you can't demonstrate that you met all those core objectives, including the risk analysis, the organization, the covered entity, risk having to return that incentive money, which for a lot of organizations, especially community-based hospitals, that's a lot of money. We're talking millions of dollars. Thanks, Tom. I've been speaking to Tom Walsh. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.